0: Hey there and welcome to Fill Me Up, I'm Steve Walker and this is the show to help fuel your filmic discussions such as, will Robert Pattinson be a good Batman? Um, Now I'm going to start by saying that he's not being confirmed as Batman but it's kind of pointing towards that, it's either him or Nicholas Holt but Robert Pattinson's the frontrunner and uh, basically, sure, I mean, sure, why not? I mean, the casting directors know what they're doing. Like, you look at the... Uh, they're very good at casting for Batman. Um, like, people didn't think that Michael Keaton would be a good Batman, but he was. Same with Ben Affleck. Um, and then you look at, like, Heath Ledger as Joker. There was a load of backlash with that. And uh, that turned out great. So, sure, why not? I mean, I've not really seen much of what he's done. He's done Twilight. Like, I've seen, like, the first Twilight film in the in Harry Potter. So I can't really say much, but um, I did a little bit of digging and uh, he's done quite a lot of indie performances that kind of, on the face of it, they all sort of add up to that of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Um, And he's apparently been really good in those roles. And um, a lot of critics have said um, that he's a highlight of them and that he's one of the best actors working today. So sure, why not? Um... Yeah and like I say like with all the kind of previous Batman actors that have been and gone and the, all the backlash from those castings I yeah I wouldn't pay any, any attention to any of the backlash from this and just be open minded because they're casting directors for a reason and they know what they're doing so yeah I'm all for it um yeah so this week I went to see Detective Pikachu at the cinema and it was—it's uh, a lot of fun. I mean, I'm a Pokemon. Well, I—I I grew up playing Pokemon games, so um, I thought it was going to be good, and I and and I—it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, it's maybe not all that enjoyable for non-Pokemon fans. Um, I mean, if you're open-minded and you don't mind that sort of thing, then you'll probably enjoy it. But if you're just not bothered about it, um, it's kind of—it's a good family film. But I mean, it's it's it is a family film, so it's not exactly groundbreaking in terms of plot or structure or anything like that it's kind of it's it's what you'd expect really uh Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu does his usual sort of stick 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 usual sort of stick um same as sort of the Deadpool films um and I I guess you either like that or you don't I know a lot of people do but I also know some people that don't so um yeah um Basically, if you, if you think you're going to like it, you probably will do. And if you think you won't, then you probably won't. Um, but if you're open to it, then uh, you. I, I, it's a good time. Um, the story's fine. Like I say, it's not all that complicated. There are a couple of twists in it. Um, I'm I'm one of those people that doesn't really see twists coming that often. Because if it's a good film and I just get sucked into it, then I, I'm happy just to follow the story along as it takes me. So, um, yeah, um, it's good. But, yeah, like I say, it's typical family film fair. Um, The one thing I would say is the world building is excellent. It's definitely like a world that I would love to see more films in. Um, Not necessarily with the same characters even. You could just go for a completely new story. Like this this is a detective story. You could easily go for like a, I don't know, a... I had something for this. You could go with a heist film or you could do a let's go find this magical artifact sort of film. Um, yeah, you could do all sorts of stuff in this world because um, one of the things that I loved about the film, because I'm a Pokemon fan, is see, was seeing all the Pokemon in the world and how they interacted with stuff and just seeing them do their thing in the world um, it's kind of like watching animals like when you watch cat videos on the internet or whatever, sort of like that and it's it's a lot of fun, um, so I definitely would love to see more of it, um, and I'd, I'd recommend it if you're going to see it, I'd try and see it in the cinema, just because it's it is quite, unlike Longshot that I was talking about last week, it does have kind of spectacle and effects and stuff. And I think films like that, you want to go and see. It's a blockbuster, I guess, at the end of the day. And films like that, you want to go and see at the cinema to get the most of it, I think. Um, but like I say, it's not for everyone. Um, I told my parents and they were laughing, so it's it's just one of those things. Like, they're definitely not going to see it. I, I didn't try and persuade them to go to it at all. Like, it's, it's one of those things, like I say... You'll, If you want to go and you'll think you'll like it, you probably will. And if you don't want to go, then it's fair enough. And because you probably won't enjoy it. Um, But anyway, to the main, main crux of what we're talking about today. or Whenever it is, today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. um, Is the 28 days later and 28 weeks later duology. Um... There definitely should be some sort of name for it. Um, The 28 later, 28 later series. Um, So yeah, there's, I'll give you a bit of background on the actual series as a whole first. I was going to do this at the end, but I'll do it now. Um, So there is a wider lore. So there's two films, um, but uh, there is also a graphic novel that is set between the two films. And there's a comic series that has some characters from the films and a lot of characters that aren't in the films, and it sort of takes place, and references events in the films, and takes place in and around, and it's sort of like a pre-sequel to both films, um, but yeah, um, yeah, but that's pretty much, I did a little bit of looking into it, but, um, if you want to research that out, um, then, by all means, this, I mean, it's a graphic novel, and I think there was a comic series that had like, I don't know, like 20 issues or something, so, it's not too, like, too much, so, if you enjoy this sort these this series, then it could be worth worth looking into. But coming back to the series, um, so the first film, Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, so the story of this one: uh, our protagonist Jim wakes up in an empty hospital to find the streets deserted and feral, infected, attacking and killing people. Um, so the first thing that I'll say about these films is I. I'm pretty sure I've looked up looked it up and I'm pretty sure that this is the first instance of fast zombies in films. Um they, they had like zombie dogs in Resident Evil and I think they had some so, or some faster zombies in other Resident Evil games before this. But I think this is the first film with fast zombies in it. Um like and like all zombie films they never call them zombies. Um, they're the infected but I guess with this one it's kind of you never really get the disease and the infection explained to you that much. It's never um, broken down to how it works necessarily. So um, I mean, it came from at the start of the first film of 28 days later, it came from apes or chimpanzees that were being experimented on or something. Uh, And they keep, and it's the rage virus It's referenced as the rage virus. And they're sort of, when people are infected, they sort of turn feral more so than zombies. Um, so, and I, they seem sort semi-intelligent as well um, at times. So, um, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, slight, they're slightly different to your typical zombie, I would say. But um, I think with most zombie films, you have to have something that's slightly different um to stand out because otherwise you're just a typical generic film which um given the fact that these are fast zombies like at the time I think that this would have been revolutionary and people and the idea of just fast zombies in general would have been enough to carry this film um but I found it quite generic it's just a fairly generic like in the world this world like the year of 2019 where you got your walking deads and your World War Z and stuff like this. You've got it's quite a fairly generic post-apocalyptic zombie film. Um, but like I say, maybe it wasn't necessarily at the time. Um, it, it was probably. I mean, it was probably before we had a boom of zombie films and stuff uh, in general. So, um, so yeah, um, there was a lot of shaky cam in it. Um, kind of into where whenever the infected are there and whenever the zombies are there used a lot of shaky cam which um is effective and it uh, kind of representing chaos and it's good use of it but with it being shaky cam it could have it was quite hard to follow some of like the action um at times i mean i, I think that's sort of the idea but um it would it's always nice to be able to see what's going on and i think you can do that in a way well i'll talk about it later like there is a way to do it that i think is a bit more effective um also the other thing i'd say about this film was that i had st- i so i initially tried watching this at night at like 10 o'clock at night but i also live with somebody and at time it's one of these films where it's very loud and then very quiet so i'd have to turn the sound up to hear things to hear people talk and then it just get so loud and I'll be just like and try and turn, just be grabbing the remote and try and turn down the volume really quickly but it, and so like I ended up just turning it off and watching it during the day um, so not to disturb people and I think that, I mean it's not necessarily an issue like if you watched it at the cinema that wouldn't be an issue at all but watching it at home yeah trying not to disturb people I guess is, I guess that's like a it's not necessarily the problem that everybody's gonna have but it's just yeah it's one of those things like people were talking really quietly and maybe they could have done a better job at kind of in those quiet moments uh capturing people talking a bit more um but i know this was made for a low budget and everything so i'm not too fussed by that um it was directed by danny boyle um who's made a lot of films um he's a british director made uh Slum Dog now, which I think won some sort of Oscar. I don't know whether he won Best Director or it won Best Picture or something. Definitely won some sort of Oscar. Um he did The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh Sunshine, which is a space one. He did Trance He did which is like a what was that? Trance was like a hypnosis thing, I think. Um but yeah, he's done a bunch of stuff. Um, but none of his films have he'd like, he like they're all good films but they none of they're all kind of slower paced and a bit more dramatic and none of them have ever really grabbed me um like i've never like i know a bunch of people who are like oh yeah he's he's, he's like my favorite director and he's great and stuff but he's never really done a film that's made me go wow this is amazing but he's solid and dependable and uh And this film was written by Alex Garland as well, who also worked on the beach and has done some great films with uh, Dread and Ex Machina. And he also did... um, What's the one on Netflix that was last year? With Natalie Portman in it. Oh Come on, Stephen, you can think of this. I don't know, it's gone. It's gone. I'll think of it. Um, But yeah, and... So yeah, those are good, good people, um, and it was kind of early in their career, and they've obviously gone on to do bigger and better things, which is good. Um, I would say the initial ten or fifteen minutes of this film is probably among its strongest, um, where Jim kind of wakes up from the hospital and like it's just, it's just no one there, and then he goes into the church and there's all those bodies, and then you get that really creepy shot when he goes hello, and like you just get to. Uh, infected just turn up and look at him and it's very very creepy and then you get the vicar or the reverend or the priest or whatever it is the coming at him and it's very creepy it's very shocking hard-hitting and fun fact um a lot of those scenes because they were filmed in and around some really busy parts of london they were actually filmed like before sunrise um and they only had like 20 minutes and stuff like this to to film it, so I think some of their shots were filmed at like 4 a.m. Um, which was which is crazy. Um, but they did a really good job of it. Um there's a good mix of survivors in there. Um you've obviously got your stereotypical sort of tough, tough lass who um, well don't take no nonsense and is very remorseless and is like, we need to survive. Um you've got the upbeat dad sort of character that's trying to provide a little bit of levity. Um, and then you got the eager kid, um, and they—they're good. They're good. They, you relate to them. They, make—I don't know. Yeah, they're good. They're. It's, it. They're kind of well-rounded, and it's a good mix of people. Like you could easily have just gone all lots of tough people, but and that wouldn't necessarily made for an entertaining film. Like there's partway through where they go to like an a ruined abbey, and they go to a shop at one point, and it's a bit of levity in there just to mix it up. And it's good. Um, and it makes a change and it's a good contrast. So when you get the, like the darker, um, more horror elements to it, then um, you get that good contrast. Um, so there was a couple of like story beats in this that I was like, uh, like you always get like questions in these sort of films, like horror films, especially you get weird decision. Um, like in this one, they, the survivors, they go from London to Manchester where there's a military broadcast and there's supposed to be like a cure for infection and all this sort of stuff. And they get there and there's nobody there. He gets this military base, there's nobody there. Um, and then the dad gets infected by a drop of blood because he gets really angry and like kicks a door or something and some a drop of blood infects him or something. And um, yeah, and then a bunch of mili- like soldiers then come out and just start shooting him because he's he's turned infected and he's like why didn't they show themselves earlier like why didn't they just like they turned up because they were turned up and they were like hello is anyone there and he's like oh yeah they're clearly human like hi we're here hi and like that wouldn't there would be no the dad wouldn't have got infected and like they so they wouldn't have a dead dad and it's all this sort of stuff but um yeah i mean the the military guys you find out later on that they're not the nicest of people anyway so it's not really uh too much of a an issue, I guess, um, and I so, but nobody sort of questions that. Like none of the other survivors question it, um, which I found was a bit strange. Um, but yeah, like the in a film like this, when you reach another band or another camp or something like that, and it's like, oh yeah, everyone's happy. Like come in, come and have some food. or oh, it's all happy go lucky. We're all doing well, aren't we? Surviving. The Apocalypse, isn't this good? There's always something wrong. There's always something not quite right. And you always basically end up that man was the real monster all along. And this is it wouldn't be a zombie film if you didn't have something where man was the real monster all along. And to be honest, I thought that it was going gonna go the way that they weren't actually soldiers. They they, they were like fake soldiers and they maybe killed the military or something like that. I don't know. Because um, they just didn't seem like... They were like... They, yeah, they didn't seem very kind of military organized, if that makes sense. They didn't seem kind of... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the captain or whatever, like the, the guy in charge seemed quite... um. Oh, what, what am I trying to say? he seemed organised or military orientated and focused or whatever Um, well the rest of them didn't necessarily seem like that, they were like joking around a bit too much and being a bit too rude or whatever Um, but um, yeah but the fake soldiers thing didn't happen and they were just really horny Um, it turns out um, and a little bit rapey really And so it escalates from that point. It's like this film has been quite slow building to that point, and then it escalates quickly. Uh, They basically like exile and kill Jim. Well, they're going to kill Jim, one of the survivors, and um, one of the sergeants that is against them basically raping these women. And Jim escapes, and then he just goes from this good natured um, kind of guy that's just trying to find his way in this world to just a full on psycho and it's it's I like it but it's very strange um I mean you see him kill a kid uh infected early on and it seems to have a bit of an effect on him but then at this point he just he's got his shirt off and it's in the rain and he's just uh, and he stealthily goes so there's a so they go to find him again and like hunt him down And I thought there was like a group of them, but I think there's only two soldiers and he basically kills one of them like Batman style. It's very strange. Like he's very stealthy and like determined. And it's like, how did just a normal regular guy take out a soldier like this? This is very strange, Um, but I love it. Um, Yeah. And then. Later on he go and then he makes his way back to the mansion where they were all staying in this base and he just kills he sets one of the zombie there's a they have like a pet zombie that they're studying and he sets that free and then they all become infected and he kills some others and it's and he definitely kills more humans than zombies and it's very yeah I guess you don't see it's obviously something's like clicked in his brain. And it's like a step too far and he... Like, he's obviously in an emotional state, but you don't necessarily see that. Um, it's one of those things, like, maybe we, they should have focused on it a bit more. Um, but it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, it ties it up quite nicely. Britain's evacuated. Zombies die from starvation, which is nice. A uh, nice way to end it. And it probably could have just been a standalone. It was set up. They didn't, they didn't set up a sequel or anything. But it did get one. Um... So it had an eight million dollar budget, made eighty five million at the box office, which means using the uh, the old box office maths that it made sixty nine million dollars of profit. Hey hey, so it did pretty well off an eight million dollar budget. It made like I don't know what's that like seven times the amount seven times the amount it cost. So yeah, it's pretty good going. Um, also got really good reviews, 86% on Rotten Tomatoes and 7.6, 7.6% seven point six out of 10 on IMDb, which is good, pretty good going. So I personally think that it's the weaker of the two, but I, as you'll see later on, I think I'm in the minority. Um, so yeah, we'll move on to the second one, 28 weeks later. Um, in this one, um, after the events of the first film, uh, U.S. troops help to bring Brits back into the country to start repopulation and restructure. Um, like I say, I think this one's a better film. Um, it's a more interesting story. There's more going on, and it's it's a bit different to a typical zombie post-apocalyptic zombie film. Um, in the way that it's a post-post apocalyptic film, because um, they're bringing them back in for restructure and stuff. Um, also, it had like a more I think the cinematography is more interesting Um, they have like some more interesting shots um, and the shaky cam use, I think is better in this one. Um, it's more, it's chaotic, but it's understandable and you get points where you're sort of, it's like a point of view from the zombie or it's like an over the soul, shoulder point of view. And so you get that sort of manic um, movement, but it's still understandable and you can still see what's happening. Um, so, I thought, so watching this film, I was like, oh, this has got a way bigger budget. Like, there's way more effects in this. Um, it's a bigger film. Like, it's, it just, it it looks better in terms of, like, camera quality and everything. And just technically, it just seems like a better made film. And, like, everything kind of suggested that it got a really big, well, not a really big budget, but it got, like, a significantly budget and I was surprised to see that it only got it had a 15 million dollar budget so that's just under half just under half just under double um that of the first film which is obviously like a big increase but it's not as much as I expected because there's quite a lot of explosions there's helicopters in it there's a lot more gore um there's a lot of panning shots and a lot of set shots set in a city and a lot of extras and um and stuff so it's yeah, it's, and there's a lot of, like, American um, actors and stuff, so I thought maybe there'd be a bit of a bigger budget, um, which there is, but it's not as high as I expected. Um, it made $65 million at the box office, so it got $35 million profit, so it didn't make as much, but it still made money, and it's still, like, worthwhile um, making it. Um, so, yeah, and it... Like I said, um, it got seventy one percent on Rotten Tomatoes and a seven out of ten on IMDb. So people didn't they still liked it a lot, but not as much as the first one, which I disagreed with. Um, mainly just because I thought it was more interesting. But I guess maybe it was at the time the first. Like I say, maybe at the time the first one was a bit more revolutionary. But I, in twenty nineteen, thought this the second one was a bit more interesting with the post post apocalyptic um, stance um yeah i found it was a bit strange because in the first film i there was a like a one sentence mentioned that um the uh, virus had reached paris and new york but then you have u.s troops uh, in the film and it's kind of like if it had reached new york then i know like there's way more in the u.s than just new york or whatever but it kind of ravaged the whole of Britain, mainland Britain. And so I thought like if it had gone to Paris, then you would have had all of France and it could go through Europe and stuff. But like, well, that's just not really mentioned. And like I, I researched a bit further in the wider law, it's basically said that there are false reports due to paranoia and stuff. And I mean, if you think about it logically, the infection spread so quickly in terms of like once you're infected, you change very quickly. And so... Like, even if you changed in an airport or on a plane or something, it, that plane would go down very, very quickly. That boat would not reach where it was supposed to go very quickly. So, yeah. So, it yeah, it wouldn't reach uh, Paris or New York, really, unless um, unless, uh, unless something else happens. So, yeah, it's written and directed by different people, but Boyle and Garland were still involved. I think his executive producers. So yeah, it's still sort of their baby. It's still sort of their series, and they still have say in it. Um, it starts with the sort of typical post-apocalyptic survival zombie thing that you'd expect, and it's very good. It's very entertaining and quite harrowing. Especially there's a point where there's a point where Don, uh, one of the main characters, leaves his wife um, because he thinks that. I don't know. It's like a a choice that you'd never want to have to make. He basically runs away thinking that, rather than going to his wife because he thinks that he could, like, it's almost like he's choosing between dying together or staying alive on his own. Um, and then you see there's a shot where he's like running across the field and he looks back into the window and you see her looking back at him and it's it's quite a harrowing scene, but it comes back around uh, to a certain extent. Um, one thing in this film I liked a lot was it introduces carriers to the world, um, which you hadn't seen before, um, which is kind of the way that... Because once they, they start bringing people back in because all the uh, infected have died, but then with the carrier, you then that sparks the new strain. The new strain? It's not really strain. The new round of infection i guess um so the bit so basically the wife becomes she is infected but then she becomes a carrier and then they find her later on and they bring her into like the main military base that they're in london where they're trying to repopulate people and the husband goes to see her and then it turns out that you can get infected through saliva as well so as well as blood it's just bodily fluids i guess um so though they kiss and then the husband gets infected kills the wife um and then starts a rampage and starts infecting other people and hell ensues from there um so the one thing that i found a bit strange was the assumedly because she's infected and she's a car well she's infected basically so i found found it strange that and she's like restrained but i found it strange that he managed to get out of the room because you'd assume that the room if she's infected that you want to keep that room like as sealed as possible she'd have like electronic locks and all this sort of thing so which as a feral infected you wouldn't be able to open like you couldn't get through a door like that with brute force not as an infected like you could do it with like a Sledgehammer I guess or something like that But they're not going to do that They're not that intelligent So I found that a bit strange But whatever I guess if that doesn't happen Then you don't get the rest of the film So eh, just brush it over um, Yeah I, found, I also find it strange that like one zombie Managed to do all, all this damage And infect all these people I guess they're not really expecting it But you would think that Trained soldiers will be able to just take out A zombie that's running at them Down a hallway like, you maybe get a couple infected, I guess, because they're taken by surprise, but there be loud noises, there be screaming, there be blood and stuff. I feel like that should have been contained very quickly. Um, but like I say, it's another thing that it's just like, you just got to brush that to the side because otherwise you don't get the rest of the film. Wouldn't be a very interesting film if that happened. Um, also, there's poor planning by the military, which because uh, they lock all the civilians in this sort of car park underground bar this door but then the back door's still open and that's how the and then the other zombie get like the husband comes in through the back door and just starts infecting people and then they can't get out it's very it's it's a weird weird planning um like i would have thought that if you were going into this sort of area you were going back into the, the one of the first things you do the military would do is like here's your leaflet on what to do if there's a the infection comes back, or like, they have this presentation of like, here's these bunkers where we're going to go to, here's these buildings you have to go to these ones like, it's sort of like, what would you do in a fire drill it's like, what would you do in a zombie drill, like, things like this, like, but obviously there isn't anything like that, and it's very poorly planned, and they end up just like, firebombing everything, and doing gas, and getting the soldiers to start just killing people um, and like you like you follow Jeremy Renner's character who's a soldier who just goes this is ridiculous he kills a few people and he's like I can't do this anymore especially because there's a boy and he like goes I'm not killing a boy so um, but you would expect more soldiers to do that but they just blindly shoot people like there's a point where Jeremy Renner's character tries to look around a corner with a mirror and gets the mirror shot out of his hand and it's like a zombie is clearly not doing that a zombie would have torn out of that alleyway at full pelt, like, trying to just climb up to eat you or something. Like, that that's... I don't know. It's very strange. Like, it's clearly a person and they're clearly not infected. But it's very strange. I don't know why. It's... It, yeah, and there's points later around. Like, he eventually dies because he gets flamethrowed. But I guess that one, because he's kind of pushing a car and you could see that as a zombie trying to get through the car but it's very strange um, um i liked the arc of the husband because he when he met his kid met up with his kids he lied about um his wife because he said that he'd seen her get infected and basically die but that wasn't the case he basically left her to die and obviously when she comes back it kind of haunts him but um there's no real repercussions obviously he gets infected but he's why he's like he's like please forgive me and his wife goes it's fine and then they have a bit of a kiss and like i don't maybe that's his wife as a carrier being infected trying to trick him into being infected too but there isn't any way that you it's not suggested at all that carriers are like it seems like carriers are just people and they just happen to be infected but there it doesn't affect them they're infected but not affected so i don't think that's the case and if that isn't the case then it's very strange because it's like oh you left me to die but it's fine don't worry about it it's like "Mm, it's not really fine though is it um but yeah now coming back to the point where jeremy renner got a mirror shot at his hand um Basically, the boy just runs and zigzags uh, and serpentines in order to lure out the the soldiers to start shooting at him. So, Jeremy again And that kid just go Like, it's supposed to be this other guy, but the kid just goes, Yep, I'm doing it. And that kid has balls. He's got some serious balls. And it's... They're good. I mean, the kid's in it. I say the kid's in it. Uh, one of them's Imogen Poots, who is definitely older than me. So... The, but the kids in in quotation marks are very good in it, and they are, you you like them and you support them, and that you can they definitely feel like a brother and sister relationship, and they do have the usual sort of typical zombie. Oh, there's some people who are immune, and it it's the, maybe the cure is in their blood sort of thing, but. It's not really followed through. It's not. It's like, oh, we're setting this up that maybe another film would follow it up, um, and so it's not too bad. It's not like heavy played on it. Um, it's not like a this cliche that's like this is the crux of the film. It's like no, no. no we just we we need them to be the ones to survive, which um, which I mean, they're kids anyway. So you would want to do that anyway, and it's just sort of so it doesn't really matter too much in the end. Um, but it could go either way, I guess. Like there could be a cure in the blood, or there could not be a cure in the blood. They don't really know, um. So that's fine. One thing I did enjoy was a helicopter slicing up zombies with the blades. That's great. That's amazing. Um, one of the best bits of the film, I think, just for pure spectacle. And uh, it's something that I was like, whenever you get a film with zombies and a helicopter in it, it's like your first thought is just like, get them in the blades, get them in the blades, and like. You didn't expect it to happen, but it did, and it was great, and I loved it. Um, the weird thing about the helicopter pilot, though, it's is like the other soldiers. They're like, "Oh yeah, I'm not taking no civilians with me. I'm just taking you, my friend, the soldier." And it's like, why they're not infected? Just take them. Like, who cares? Like, I don't. It's very strange. Um, I guess like it seems that nobody's really being educated on the infection at all. Um, I guess because everyone, all the infected, died from starvation before anyone's... So you've not had an infected to study. But it just seems very strange that nobody in the world understands it. And you're repopulating the area without the knowledge. Um, But it's one of those things. Just over your head, don't think about it. Don't worry about it, it's fine. Um, Unlike the last film, it doesn't tie itself up nicely... Sets it up for a sequel. You have a really good shot of like infected silhouetted running shaky cam and all towards uh, the Eiffel. You get the Eiffel Tower in the distance, and it's a really well shot scene, and it's a really good setup. But obviously, this is this one. This podcast episode is on duology, so obviously this is the second film, and there hasn't been another one. So I would have liked it to be there to either have been the third film. Or for them to have tied it up. It's one of those ones where it's like films where if you cut out like the scene or you end it like a few minutes earlier, it's all fine. And like it's yeah, there's an ambiguous ending of the pilot taking the kids who may or may not have a cure in their blood to Paris and but you could easily just go, Yeah, like it's up to you. Like they either have the cure in their blood and it's like, yeah, they, they, they have it and we've cured it and it's fine. Or they don't have it. So Oh, but oh well. Who cares? Like, I, it's it's just a bit of a shame, really. I mean, they they were planning to do another film. Um, obviously you could go twenty eight months later, twenty eight years later, and they 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 kept talking about it for quite a while afterwards. Um, but um, people were trying to get stuff out of Danny Boyle, like because he was like, oh yeah, we have got ideas, and he was like, oh, well, what are they? And he's like, well, oh, I'm not telling you because they'll use it in World War Z or Walking Dead or whatever. So but the last we heard was in 2015 where they were like yeah it's still a possibility um it's more likely going to be 28 months later because then you got a possibility of doing 28 years later and it's like okay sure okay but obviously it's not been made and i guess it's probably not going to be made i mean it's been over it's been like 12 years since the last one it's not a, within the realm it's like it's like it could get made but it's probably not going to um so, yeah, so those were 28 days, 28 weeks, the 28 later series. And now I have a hypothetical question for you. Hypothetically speaking, um, what? well, it's not really hypothetical speaking. It's just a question. I don't know why I've put said it's hypothetical. It's not at all. My question to you is what new idea has reinvigorated the zombie genre? So, for example... 28 Days Later was quite revolutionary because it introduced fast zombies to the genre and it's something new that people hadn't seen before and is there anything like that that you think has been introduced to the zombie genre in the past few years that has reinvigorated it and refreshed it? I personally think that the swarms in World War Z were great and that because it, it makes a lot of sense. Because they they they're just animalistic. They have no real intelligence, and they would definitely just throw themselves and just climb up to get to you. And like j- just looking at it, it's very it's it adds a new element of fear to the proceedings to the scene. Because now buildings aren't really safe, and they could be climbing up the walls on the outside. And it's just and just looking at it from like a spectacle view, like on a, like just watching it it's it's amazing like the world well, War Z game came just just came out recently and just watching gameplay from that it's something else seeing because it's still new and it's something else just watching zombies piles of zombies just climb up a wall it's it's really good um the, the other thing um i'm gonna give a shout out to santa Clarita diet it now technically it's not I mean, it is a zombie for, zombie series, sort of, um, but um, basically, it's just that uh, Drew Barrymore is a normal person, but she needs to eat people, um, there's no, like, that's basically it, um, so it's very funny, and it, it gives you good situations and stuff, um, and I reckon, like, something like that, where it's like, yeah, they're zombies, but... Like if you boil it down, like we'll strip everything away from zombies and just have it that they eat, need to eat people, and they have this like overriding drive to eat people, sort of like cannibals. Then you get you could use that in a film to have sort of this cannibalistic body snatchers type film where it's like something's happened to them, they're now infected or whatever, and now they just want to eat people. And um, but it could be like your family member or a friend or whatever they go away for the weekend they come back and now all they can eat is people basically and i think that would be like an interesting hot way to do a horror film there um yeah but let me know if there's anything else i know there's there's things like uh oh i'm not going to say them uh, because it'll give you opportunity to mention them they're just the two that i liked um well yeah um next week uh, in fact, I, I, speaking of uh, where you can find it, uh, where, don't know what I'm saying there. Speaking of uh, getting in touch, um, you can do that in a number of ways. Um, you can get in touch on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at All Out Walker And yeah, you can get in touch with me there, ask a question, make a comment on something. Um, you can also get in touch at Fill Me Up Pod. At outlook.com, if you want to send any, me an email about anything, I will be more than happy to read it. And also, now I've been making a lot of boo boos recently because I'm still learning. And one of the big ones, I've been sending you to the wrong page on Facebook. Um, so, um, yeah, you may find out that the logos don't necessarily match up. Um, yeah, I mean, you can give that page a like if you want. I don't know. I don't know what they do, but um, uh, yeah. But I've been sending you to a different film film me up page. So if you want to follow me on Facebook, um, that then yeah, and get in touch on there, then it's slash film me up pod, not film me up, film me up pod. Um, and you'll want to follow me on there this week because what I'm going to do is I'm going to post a poll, um, so that you guys can choose. Uh, what the next duology is going to be in kind of kind of a month's time. Um, yeah, I'll put a, a list of a few down there, and then you can choose whichever one you want to do, and then a couple of weeks' time I'll announce whichever one we're doing, and uh, yeah, we'll watch that and we'll talk about that, and it'll be great, because it's always great, isn't it? Um, so next week, um, what we're going to do is... So the first week I did a Mr. Universe section, where I looked at uh, where some films where I think uh, you could put them in a shared universe. Cause, uh, Hollywood's all about these shared universes nowadays, and and I think uh, these there's some films out there you could re- really easily work into a universe and kind of uh, yeah, where Hollywood I think would have benefited from having them in their own universe. So next week uh, we're going to look at. One such universe and some such films. And I'm not going to tell you what films. I've got them written down, but I'm not going to tell you them. That's You'll find out next week. Well, you'll probably find out in the title. But what I will say is it is, I should think of a name for it, but it's a parallel universe, crime-stopping universe. So which, if that doesn't hook you, I don't know what will. So stay tuned next time for that. And get in touch on those things. Go on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash pod to vote on the poll for the next duology that we're going to do. And I will see you next week. Bye.